Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 36, part 1, Introduction to Parent Marijuana Use. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast will provide an introduction to the current policy landscape of marijuana access in Canada, areas of concern associated with parent marijuana use, and a profile of marijuana users as presented in the literature. Introduction and Discussion Questions This particle will provide an introduction to the current policy landscape of marijuana access in Canada, areas of concern associated with parent marijuana use, and a profile of marijuana users as presented in the literature. This literature review will not discuss pregnancy or breastfeeding. These areas will be addressed in future publications. Research related to each subsection will be highlighted and a commentary on the strengths and limitations of this research and the ways in which it may help you in your practice will be provided. Questions to promote discussion and critical thinking are dispersed throughout this podcast. We recommend you think about the issue or issues you are trying to find out more about, that is, your research question, before and during your listening of this podcast. Research around parenting and marijuana use is limited and inconclusive. As with most substance use, the impact of marijuana use on individual parenting capacity will vary. In reality, researchers say the evidence for and against potential harm is nuanced and dose-dependent, just as it is with other drugs. Marijuana is the most commonly used illicit drug in the United States, and use among adolescents has risen in recent years both in the U.S. and Canada, while perceptions of its risk have declined. Current Canadian Legislation There are two categories for marijuana or cannabis possession and use in Canada, recreational or illicit, and medicinal. Within Canada's current legislation, marijuana for medical purposes regulations, individuals may obtain authorization from a doctor who confirms their symptoms or condition to benefit from therapeutic treatment. This legislation names physicians as the gatekeepers of medicinal marijuana use with the federal government responsible for licensing commercial cannabis producers as retail suppliers for authorized medicinal marijuana users. These marijuana products are offered for sale at government-regulated prices. In addition, community-based cannabis dispensaries also offer products for sale to authorized medical users. The sanctions and legal guidelines for these dispensaries are more ambiguous and are not technically licensed suppliers under the Marijuana for Medical Purposes regulations. There are an estimated 37,000 approved medicinal cannabis users in Canada, a number at odds with the more than 50,000 individuals who report receiving cannabis from community-based cannabis dispensaries in Canada. In contrast, there are only 13 approved commercial sites, authorized under the current regulations. This number is expected to increase in the future, influenced by impending legislative changes with the election of a federal Liberal government in 2015. A special Senate committee concluded in 2008 that prohibition of marijuana use has been unsuccessful at reducing consumption and problematic use. The debate on the associated harms of marijuana to both users and their children will continue. However, legislative changes in Canada are impending. Medicinal marijuana or cannabis for therapeutic purposes, 
also known as CTP. Marijuana is composed of more than 60 pharmacologically active cannabinoids, chemical compounds that impact the brain, with physiological responses ranging from impaired memory and cognition, reduced motor function, increased appetite, sleep-promoting effects, nausea control, preventing or diminishing muscle spasms, and providing pain relief. Medical marijuana in dried plant form is identical to that which users may access illegally and or grow in their own home, a plant that contains THC and other cannabinoids. These cannabinoids are currently available for prescription in Canada, nabilone, dronabinol, and THC. Most private drug insurance companies will cover these prescriptions, which are taken as capsules or oral sprays. While marijuana, either in smoked or pill form, is prescribed for therapeutic treatment of a number of conditions, the quality of evidence to support its use varies widely. There is growing evidence that marijuana may in fact have limited medical uses. Most of the broader indications for medical marijuana are supported anecdotally rather than controlled clinical trials. Methods matter. Controlled clinical trials blindly test the effectiveness of a particular treatment or medicine by offering one group a placebo and the other the drug. If properly controlled, the only key difference between the two groups is the treatment type, which allows researchers to say whether or not the treatment is responsible for changes in the health condition. It is important for both healthcare professionals and consumers to be aware of the effectiveness of medications, cannabinoids included, in treating their particular health concern. Who uses marijuana? When and how. There are two key ways marijuana use is often captured in research. Lifetime, ever use, or current use. Use in the past 12 months or use in the past 30 days. Most studies capture whether use is medicinal, recreational, or both. There are not currently any known national prevalent studies of marijuana use in Canada. In the first nationally representative assessment of type and reasons for marijuana use among adults in the U.S., the odds of current use were found to be greater among males aged 18 to 24 and those with lower education, characterized as less than high school completion. Among those self-identifying as current users, approximately 47% reported medicinal use and 90% reported recreational use. This study also captures information about form of marijuana use, with smoked forms of marijuana the most prevalent reported. While some may defend smoking marijuana as less harmful than cigarettes, the user may still be exposed to irritants and carcinogens, and adverse respiratory effects can still occur. Further, smoking from devices like bongs and hookahs causes similar tar exposure and does not substantially reduce marijuana smoke risks. Given that nearly half of U.S. states and many Canadian provinces have medicinal marijuana laws, the substantial overlap found between medicinal and recreational use in this study is important. Only a small percentage reported medicinal-only use. Recreational versus medicinal marijuana use There is emerging evidence to suggest substantial overlap between medicinal and recreational marijuana use with many individuals reporting using marijuana for both explanations. Individuals using marijuana for medical reasons may be similar to or different from those reporting recreational use. The research has not yet captured this information. This may have important implications for whether or not motive or reason for marijuana use is correlated with parenting. 
Appropriate intervention strategies require an understanding of the motivation for using marijuana, but also a recognition of what the drug is providing for the individual, their expectations of the drug experience, how it makes them feel, why they like it, and how it is being used. It is argued that only after personal motives for the use of a drug are identified can counselors begin to explore alternatives or manage potential impacts. Co-occurring marijuana and other substance use is another theme highlighted in the literature, with a higher use of marijuana with opioids, both prescription and non-prescription. In a small qualitative study of current recreational marijuana users in Canada, Osborne and Fogel use in-depth interviews to capture individual motives for marijuana use. Themes reported by the authors include enhancing experiences, relieving stress, and heightening ability to concentrate. The Social Experience of Marijuana Use The overlap of medical and recreational motives for marijuana use may contribute to suspicion by some healthcare providers that medical marijuana is a means of legalizing use, or, for individual users, a way of obtaining marijuana at a lesser cost and in higher quantities. If individuals' anecdotal reports of the health benefits of marijuana are not supported by published scientific evidence, this can further reinforce cynicism from both healthcare providers and friends and family. For those who smoke marijuana, it can be difficult to conceal how medicine is taken and to explain to others the therapeutic function of this behavior. There are many reports in the literature of consumers being falsely accused of using marijuana for non-medicinal purposes and framed as irresponsible. Using cannabis for therapeutic purposes is further complicated when individuals occupy marginalized spaces in other ways, such as having previous addiction or substance use issues, illness, and poverty. The stigma experienced by those who use marijuana for medicinal purposes leads many to conceal their use to prevent suspicions and judgments, particularly about their ability to parent. Types of Medicinal Marijuana Use Covert use, keeping marijuana use undercover. Many believe there was little they could do except conceal their cannabis use due to the illegal status in Canada. Expert use, convincing others of the benefits of medicinal marijuana use. These users believe judgmental attitudes of others are a result of misinformation and general lack of knowledge of cannabis for therapeutic purposes. Responsible use. Doing everything right. Take precautions and smoke with discretion. Activist use. Claim access to medicinal marijuana to be a human rights issue. These users believe it's the responsibility of Health Canada to explore the therapeutic uses of marijuana. Thinking critically. Research evidence. How does this information contribute to my understanding of parent marijuana use? Did I learn anything new about the types of substances and patterns of use? Client preferences and values. Reflecting on a case where a parent or caregiver used marijuana, how did she or he characterize their marijuana use? How does this impact the likelihood to continue using or want to stop? Case context. When I think about a parent or caregiver who uses marijuana, who am I picturing? What social and economic space does this person occupy? Practitioner knowledge and experience. What do I think about someone who uses medicinal marijuana versus another prescription medication? Am I making assumptions about this person? 
Key Concerns Marijuana and Children in the Home Is exposure to secondhand smoke from marijuana as harmful as cigarettes? What happens when children ingest edible cannabis products? There are a multitude of questions that arise when we consider children being raised in homes where marijuana is consumed and or grown. The research literature on the topic is scant. Following is a brief summary of what we do know at this point in time. Marijuana Grow Operations Are concerns about children whose parents use and or grow marijuana justified or legitimate? The short answer is that we don't know. There is not sufficient rigorous evidence in the research to be able to answer this question without context. In a study of 181 children living in 95 cannabis grow operations in British Columbia, Canada, it was found that the number and frequency of prescription medications required by the children in the grow operations was not significantly different from the comparison group. A key limitation of this study is that there is no way to control for the length of time the children lived in the homes or whether there were other locations they spent a majority of their time. Further, nearly 75% of the families reported Vietnamese as their primary language, which may suggest also that alternative medicine may have been used, other than what would be captured in the prescription rates accessed by the authors. Demonstrated inconsistencies in hair testing for marijuana use and exposure leave researchers debating how best to capture this information. Exposure to smoke In a study of room ventilation, Herman and colleagues found exposure to secondhand cannabis smoke in unventilated conditions could produce minor changes in performance on psychomotor tasks and working memory. Passive exposure to cannabis smoke increased the speed of responding, but decreased accuracy of the response. This reflects the speed-accuracy trade-offs that are consistently observed with the effects of THC on behavioral and cognitive performance among casual marijuana users. This study is not without limitations, namely that the size of the room, the amount of cannabis consumed, duration of exposure, and frequency of exposure are all variables that would likely influence outcomes in the real world. However, exposure under extreme conditions in a completely enclosed room may result in exposure sufficient to deem impairment. As outlined previously and reported anecdotally, there are multiple types of marijuana users who have children, many of whom independently manage the risk of the child's exposure, for example, those classifying their use as responsible. While there is little evidence to suggest high rates of emergency room visits or child welfare involvement due to exposure to secondhand cannabis smoke, it is worth noting that this is a potential health hazard. Consuming edibles There is growing concern about the potential for overdose and acute psychotic episodes associated with use of edible cannabis products. According to existing research, children who consumed marijuana displayed symptoms ranging from respiratory problems, difficulty with mobility, and somnolence, characterized as being unresponsive or really, really sleepy. Examining poison center calls in the U.S., it was found that unintentional exposure to marijuana caused an increase in calls for pediatric marijuana exposure by 30% between 2005 and 2011 in states where laws decriminalizing marijuana had been passed. Practice point. As legislation changes loom for Canadians, there is a recognized need for continued public education on the precautions to take around children when using marijuana. 
Children can become very sick consuming edible cannabis products and without regulations on edible packaging to include consistent dose and warning information, a no-big-deal perception of marijuana may persist. Thinking critically. Research evidence. Based on the previous information, what else should I, as a practitioner, consider when a child who lives in a home where marijuana is grown is brought to my attention? How does the research correspond within the context of the caregivers I am working with who smoke marijuana? Case context. What considerations are required when you are assessing a home where edible marijuana products are present? What precautions can you ensure parents are taking? Marijuana use and child maltreatment. To be succinct, not much is known about the potential relationship between parent marijuana use and child maltreatment. There is one study known to the author that examines the topic. In a study of 50 cities in California, Friesler and colleagues found that current marijuana use, defined as use in the past year, was positively related to child physical abuse and negatively related to child physical neglect. In addition, greater densities of storefront dispensaries were related to more frequent physical abuse. Interestingly, there is no relationship between supervisory neglect and parent marijuana use. It is important to note that this study uses cross-sectional design, therefore a causal relationship between parent marijuana use and physical abuse cannot be drawn. A handful of hypotheses are offered to explain the potential relationship. It may be that parents who are prone to outbursts or have more temperamental behaviors use marijuana to relax, thus reverting to these behaviors when not using and increasing the likelihood of physical abuse. For some, marijuana use increases anxiety and paranoia, which could also impact parenting. The finding that marijuana use was not related to supervisory neglect highlights the responsible user paradigm discussed previously in that parents may be managing the risk to their children by using when children are not at home or are asleep and are keeping edibles out of reach. The concern around greater physical availability of marijuana and related products stems more from jurisdictions where recreational use has yet to be decriminalized. Greater availability may enable impulsive purchase and use in more risky contexts. This is the same concern for child welfare practitioners that corresponds with the access of any illicit substance. Thinking critically. Practitioner knowledge and experience. Does anything I've learned in this literature review challenge or confirm what I assume to be true about parents who use marijuana, either for recreational or medicinal purposes? Conclusions. What did we learn and what is missing? There is a wealth of information still to be learned about the impact of marijuana use on parenting practices and whether there is a correlation between marijuana use and child's maltreatment. While the evidence on medical indications for marijuana's therapeutic properties is questioned, there continue to be individuals who utilize it for these purposes, as well as for recreational motives. As marijuana use, both smoked and in edible form, remains prevalent, Child welfare practitioners are faced with the difficult task of screening for the impact of this substance on a parent's ability to adequately care for their children. As the research suggests, particular concern may be around physical abuse rather than neglect. More research is needed around how to assess this risk. 
In particular, it is important to better understand how marijuana use is compared to other types of both illegal and legal substance use, such as prescription drugs and alcohol. Gaining a better understanding of how marijuana is obtained and the measures taken by parents to mitigate their child's exposure to smoke, edibles, and other paraphernalia will be important. Key Summary Points There are a number of health conditions for which authorization to obtain marijuana can be provided, in either plant or pill form. While emerging evidence suggests a substantial overlap between recreational and medicinal motives for marijuana use, Current Canadian legislation permits only those with medical authorization to obtain and utilize marijuana. Concerns around exposure to marijuana in the home are centered on three key areas. Smoke, grow operations, and edible cannabis products. The risks associated with each type of exposure will vary case by case. Gaining a better understanding of how marijuana is obtained and the measures taken by parents to mitigate their child's exposure to smoke, edibles, and other paraphernalia will be important. Not much is known about the potential relationship between marijuana use and child maltreatment. Particular concern may be around physical abuse rather than neglect. More research is needed around how to assess this risk. You have been listening to the ParkCast series, Episode 36, Part 1, Introduction to Parent Marijuana Use. At parkcanada.org, you can access Part 2 of this episode, Pregnancy, Breastfeeding, and Marijuana Use. The ParkCast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the ParkCast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org.